Well, amen and amen. If you've got a Bible, uh, won't you turn with me to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 24. Uh, Psalm chapter 24, Psalms chapter 24 is where we're going to be today, as you saw in the bumper video, beginning a new series uh, entitled Rise, Rise. And as you're turning there, just a uh, reminder, you see on the screen there, like I talked about earlier, uh, man, an encouragement, hey, you know, seek the Lord on what uh, he has for you to fast from during these 30 days, prayer and fasting, and then just a reminder, hear about, hear about this at the end. Uh, but uh, during this series, during the 30 days of prayer and fast, we're going to have a uh, evening time of worship at our Sango location. The first one's tonight. Uh, you see in your bulletin there, starts at 5 p.m. Uh, at our Sango location right off exit 11, about 15 minutes from here. Uh, so you make sure to join us. It's going to be a great time of prayer and worship uh, there. So you make sure to uh, join us. Uh, like I said, new series, uh, Psalm 24, talking about rise and uh, really, we came uh, about, we came to, uh, uh, you know, this title or this theme for this series uh, by way of, as we look through the Psalms, uh, by way of the word that we see appear in several of the Psalms, uh, that word Selah, uh, Selah, uh, that word Selah, we see it uh, occur uh, over 70 times, 71 times to be exact uh, throughout the Psalms. And uh, and majority of the time that we see it there, right, it's usually uh, in regards toward, uh, uh, you know, a musical psalm. It'll say something about Selah to the choir master of uh, or something like that. So usually it's in reference to a, uh, a musical uh, term, if you will. Uh, but many scholars, many uh, theologians believe that word Selah means to pause, uh, to reflect. Uh, no one's quite sure what exactly it means, but but a lot of folks believe that that's what uh, it means, to pause, to reflect, right, uh, to, to take a moment to pause and reflect and, man, to hear from uh, the Lord, pause to reflect and, and see the Lord in his goodness. We see it, uh, see that in its context throughout Psalms. Uh, Psalm chapter 3, right, uh, King David's in a mess, he's in a pit, man, he's literally hiding out in a cave. Man, he's talking about all these enemies, you know, his enemies, his own sons looking to kill him, is, is revolted against him and his kingdom, looking to kill him. And it says in the midst of that, man, all in the midst of the mess, it says the word Selah. And then, man, there was like a shift. And he realized how big God was, man, and things uh, changed uh, there. Uh, we see it in other re- references as well. But, man, that word Selah means to pause, to reflect. And that's really our hope for this series and, and for uh, this 30 days of prayer and fasting as a whole for us, man, in the midst of the busyness of life to be able to pause and reflect. May say, Pastor Irv, it's impossible, man. I got too much going on. I got too much going on. Hey, if Jesus, the son of God, man, could take time, hey, to pause, to withdraw man, and to spend time man, with his father. Hey, we can as well. We can as well. May have to get creative with it. Bless God. But hey. We ought to choose to pause and reflect because, hey, it's when we choose to pause and reflect, man, that our faith in him rises, rises. We're encouraged, man, and we have new and fresh perspective. And we see that take place here uh, in Psalm 24, the first psalm that we're going to look at in this series. Psalm chapter 24. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And we're going to read the whole chapter, verses 1 through 10, and then jump into the word together. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's all good. The verses will be on the screen. You can follow along. But this is what the word of the Lord says. A Psalm of David, written by King David, says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness 
thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Verse 7, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord who is mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Why don't you pray? Lord God, we love you. God, teach us, Lord, in this season, man, how to pause, Lord. How to reflect, man, on who you are and your goodness. Teach us, Lord, how to be people, Lord, that learn how to seek your face and not just seek your hand. And teach us to be people, Lord, that, man, desire to dwell in your presence. Be with us now, Lord. We ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The context of Psalm 24, right? Uh, uh, many scholars believe uh, 2 Samuel 6 is the context for it. 2 Samuel 6, King David has just been anointed as king over Israel. Right, and he is rolling into, right, uh, Jerusalem, the grand city there, rolling in there. Man, he's got the Ark of, Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, right, uh, there with him. Things are great. There's a big celebration as they're rolling through, Brother Roy, but there's one problem. What happened was the leaders there who were in charge of making sure the cart, you know, got to its place correctly, they didn't follow the instructions of the Lord. What happened was, instead of placing the Ark of the Covenant, right, the presence of God, in the front of the cart, like they were told to, we see that in the book of Numbers, they just stashed it in the back, man, just threw it in there, Brother Monty, just threw it in the back. So they're rolling, all of a sudden, man, some of the oxen stumble, the Ark is getting ready to fall, and it says this dude named Uzzah, man, tries to be the hero and save it. Man, noble thing to do, I would say, Brother Ben. But what happened was, man, he touched it, And that was a direct, man, hey, direct disobedience to the Lord, man. Hey, only, man, priests were able to do that, touch the Ark of the Covenant. Numbers 4.15 says that. And so he touched it, and it says that, man, hey, he struck dead right then and there. David, as I think we all would be, was shook up. He said, man, oh, we can't take this Ark to Jerusalem now. we got to take it to another place. So they take it to this little town called Obed-Edom, set it there, then they leave. Obed-Edom, man, says that, man, all that was there, people that were there, they were all blessed because the presence of God was there. And David said, you know what? Hey, no, hey, we need God's presence. We need him. And so, man, they grabbed that Ark of the Covenant and they took it into Jerusalem. And, you know, that uh, familiar uh, uh, passage there in 2 Samuel 6, 17, where it says that David, man, because the presence of God was there with the people there in Israel, man, he danced with all his might. He was undignified, man, got fired up, celebrated. Celebrate. Right? So much so, man, that his wife was like, David, you're making a fool of yourself. 
get right. And uh, we see what happens after that, man. Hey, the people there in Jerusalem and Israel, man, they are blessed. They were blessed. In the midst of all that, we see, man, hey, David, man, pausing, reflecting on all that took place in that scene there. And as a result, man, writes this psalm. See, David, man, hey, he paused. And in pausing, hey, he was able to gain perspective, man, to who the Lord was. And in the same way, hey, too, man, we ought to be folks that choose to pause, man, to gain perspective on who the Lord is and what he wants for us in our life. So that's what I've entitled the sermon today. Hey, pausing for perspective, pausing for perspective. We see David here highlight three perspectives uh, concerning the Lord here in the text that we ought to come to understand in our own life as well. Some of you, man, hey, you may know know him, right, but it's been a while since you've actually lived as if you knew them. You know, some of you, man, hey, you may just be new to this whole Christianity thing and, and you're trying to learn and grow. Right. David gives, man, accurate perspective on who the Lord is here. He gives three perspectives. The first one that we ought to look at and see is this. Hey, he gives the perspective that the Lord owns it all. He owns it all. Oh, that's what he says. Verses one and two. Hey, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Man, that means all of it. The world and those who dwell therein. In short, hey, God owns it all. He owns everything, right? He owns everything. As that old song goes, hey, th- hey, it's this is our Father's world. At the end of the day, it's His. It's, it's not ours. The stuff that we have in ours, it's actually God's. The possessions that we have, man, it's not actually ours. It's God's. We are stewards of those things, right? But God is the one that actually is the owner. It's when we pause and begin to understand this reality that the Lord owns it all. Man, that everything begins to change in our life, man. All of a sudden, hey, listen, there is a shift, man, from, hey, living a life that's simply about just meeting your own needs, man, living a life that's simply about, hey, you know, making sure that, man, I'm good, take care. Again, those are good, those are good things. But, but that's not the extent of life. It goes from that to understand that, hey, at the end of the day, man, this life isn't about you. So whether the Lord gives or he takes away, hey, blessed be his name. Like we say. Man, whenever we come to understand that the Lord owns it all, everything changes, man. He, he owns it all, man. Owns it all. And we ought to have that right perspective, man. David goes further into detail about the Lord owning it all, man. He uh, speaks of the Lord as creator, first and foremost. Right? He speaks of the Lord as creator. Verse 2, he has founded it upon the seas. Founded it, man, he is the creator. He spoke things into being. Spoke things into being, made it happen. Listen, hey, we, we, can I just, I'm just going to keep it 100 today, Brother Joe. We weren't just a result of some cosmic accident that happened a long, long time ago. The Lord spoke and things came to be. The Bible says in Psalm 139, pertaining to us as mankind, man, he knitted us in the womb of our mothers. Man, hey, talk about being intricately designed. Man, we're his and, and all of, man, this world has the fingerprints of God in it. Like the famous theologian Abraham Kuyper once said, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Mine, it's all his. It's all his. And for us in here, man, it's having that perspective. It changes everything. Hey, that means this. Hey, as people, even though, man, we're broken, man, we're, hey, we're sinners, far, you know, far from God, man, we rebelled against God. 
Man, it's only by grace that we're able to commune with him. Hey, he, he didn't make a mistake in making us. Listen, you're not a mistake. Not a mistake. Because, man, the creator of the universe that doesn't make mistakes, man, he made you. Changes things. Man, he is creator. That's what David highlights here. That's what he saw. And this is the God that I follow and serve. He's creator. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Man, we bear his image. He is creator. But also, man, David understood that he is also sustainer. He's also sustainer. That second part of verse 2. And established it upon the rivers, man. Hey, the Lord didn't just create the earth, man, and just let it run as if it was some kind of stopwatch or some kind of clock or something like that, man. No, he is active in his creation. He's involved in his creation. Hallelujah. Psalm 147, verse 7 through 9 says like this. Hey, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. Man, praise him. Verse 8, for he covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. Colossians 1 verse 17 says this, that talking about Christ, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then Hebrews 1 3 again talking about Christ. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In short, let me just wrap it up for you before I go to the next point. Hey, the Lord owns it all. Owns it all. And all that you have. Hey, listen, you may be super successful. You may have come to, you know, uh, a a ton of accolades. Man, that's great and good. Done a lot of things. Own a lot of possessions. But bless God, hey, it's because of him. You've got all of them. And at the end of the day, it's his. It's his. And so we ought to choose to live as if it's his. By being good stewards of it. But understanding at the end of the day, man, it's his. Give it to him. Man, the Lord owns it all. David saw that. And that's the first perspective. The second perspective we see in verses three through six is this. Hey, the Lord requires repentance to walk in his presence. Hey, the Lord requires repentance to walk in his presence. That's what he says. Verse three through six. Let's go back to it. Make sure y'all know I'm not making it up. It says it right here. Look at this. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? David is asking these uh, uh, somewhat rhetorical questions. Right. Who shall ascend to the hill? It's this picture of the people of Israel, man, making their pilgrimage up to right to uh, the temple of Jerusalem to worship God. It's this picture of uh, that. Them making their way up, man, to worship him. Who shall stand in his holy place? It's this picture of, man, us dwelling in the presence of God, dwelling in his presence. Right? Who's able to do that? Well, we know the answer to that, right? Because of God and his holiness, because of who he is, his otherness, man, none of us on our own accord. Hey, that's why Jesus had to come, man, live the life we couldn't live, died, man, the death that we should have died, but didn't stay dead, rose on that third day, man. And for those who place their faith and trust in him, man, hey, we've been made right with God. But, he, but here's the deal. Even though we, we're made right with him, even though we're saved, listen, we still got this old flesh. And man, hey, we struggle. We stumble all the time. And so what David is saying here 
is this. Hey, for us, man, the call is to walk a life of repentance. It's this picture of us, man, having humble hearts and understand that, hey, on our own accord, man, hey, we, we can't we can't ascend to the hill, man, and worship him rightly. We can't be in his presence because, man, we're broken up. So we've got to choose, man, to humble ourselves and come before him, man, with a repentant heart. To walk in repentance, walk in repentance. And the awesome news is that, hey, whenever we choose, man, to posture ourselves in humility and repent before, man, the Lord is willing to welcome us in. Even though, man, hey, we may still feel dirty, broken up, man, he's still able to welcome, he's willing to welcome us in. Hey, look, the Lord, man, requires repentance to walk in his presence. As one commentator said, the questions spoken here are intended to cause those who seek entrance to reflect humbly on their need for repentance and divine mercy. This liturgy is not so much a self-righteous declaration of innocence as it is a solemn admission of dependence on the merciful grace of God, which the worshiper approaches. And so, man, hey, in order to dwell in the Lord's presence, we need to walk in repentance. We need to live this repentant life. Hey, what does this repentant life look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You may not ask, but I'm going to answer for you anyway. What does this repentant life look like? We see it. Hey, we see it listed right here. David goes into it. Who can ascend to the hill? Who shall stand in his holy place? Man, verse 4 says this. First and foremost, hey, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. The repentant life looks like first, man, hey, having clean hands and a pure heart. That clean hands, hey, it speaks to, man, an, our outward character, our measure of character. It's the way that we walk and live. Let me go ahead and say this free charge here. Did you know, man, that the Lord cares about how you live this life? He cares. Listen, he, he didn't just save us, man, to be folks that, that uh, you know, live life saying, hey, li-, you know, as folks did in the first century, you know, a lot of them. Hey, hey. Grace abounds, man, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. I know I'm saved anyway. I'm good. No, no, no. no. Man, God, God saved us, man. Hey, for, for us to look to live a life that honors him. Honors him. That's what he's speaking to whenever he says clean hands here, man. Hey, it's our outward character, how we live. How we live. Hey, because we've been saved, right, hey, our, we ought to live lives. Man, that preach that we adore this King Jesus that has saved us. Hey, not, not live lives, man, that preaches that we're all for abusing the grace that has been shown us. Let me put it another way. Hey, we ought to live lives, man, it, because we've been saved. We ought to live lives, man, that look to make Jesus famous. Hey, not, not live, man, lives in Christ. Man, that preaches that we may, may actually think that he's fiction and he hadn't really changed us. Man, the way that we live, it, it matters. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that, hey, we're going to be perfect. It, it, it's not about living a sinless life, man. It's about walking in this new direction. Walking in this new life. And we're able to do that, man, because we know him. He's changed us. Changed us. And what David says here is, man, we are called to be folks that have clean hands. 
Pat Queen Anne's. Man, our outward character matters. The way that we live matters. It matters. And again, hey, let me throw, go ahead and throw this in free charge where I talk about pure hearts. Hey, even though we've stumbled, maybe you're walking, man, hey, living a life running from God. Hey, you just like the prodigal son, man, you can choose to turn around. Hey, repent. <laughs> you can choose to turn around. And the Lord's waiting there. Hallelujah. Clean hands. Pure heart is what he says here as well, man. It speaks to the inner character of a person, right? It's, it's uh, this picture of, in our mind, what Jesus talks about Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Remember, he says, hey, listen, you know, folks, the, the law says, hey, man, don't kill. But I tell you, hey, man, if you have hate against your brother or your friend, you've actually committed murder in your heart. He says, hey, you know, the law says, hey, don't don't commit adultery. Hey, hey, man, if you even look at a woman or somebody else lustfully, hey, you, you've actually committed adultery. Man, it's this picture of the inner self. Hey, God doesn't just care about right or outward living, but he cares about at the end of the day. Man, what's in our heart? Hey, there's so many folks, man, that have, it's been a while since they, man, have been in the presence of the Lord. Because though, man, they're doing a lot of great things outwardly, man, there's stuff, man, in their heart that they hadn't gotten right. The Lord. They hadn't dealt with. Hadn't dealt with. And so, man, in order, man, to, hey, to worship. Maybe some of you probably have been a while since you've worshipped because, man, there's anger, bitterness, hatred, stuff, man, that's in your heart that you've just got to give to the Lord. Repent of. Man, clean hands and pure heart. Hey, can I just keep it 100 with you, Brother Ryan? Can I just keep it 100? Hey, man, I encourage you, man. Hey, don't, don't be like the Pharisees that we see in the Gospels, man. Folks that, man, knew a lot about Jesus. Hey, you know, knew a lot about the Word. Could recite a lot of it to you. Knew a lot about God. But, man, their hearts weren't the right place. Man, let's choose to make sure our hearts are pure, man. And how we do that is by choosing to confess and repent to Him. Let me keep going. Let me keep rolling through these real quick, man. The repentant life, man, it's clean hands, pure heart. Secondly, man, it's clearing out idols, clearing out idols. He says this, who does who does not lift up his soul to what is false, man, that lift up speaks to offer it up one's deepest commitment to. Right. And so what he's saying is, hey, listen, man, hey, those who can ascend to the hill, those who can worship the Lord, be in his presence. Hey, they got to get rid of idols, man. Folks that choose not to worship idols. Not to worship idols. Those things that are false. An idol, man, is anything that you have in your life that's rivaling the Lord as first place. Man, could be bad things, could be great things. But, man, the call for us is to clear them out, man, because the Lord alone is worthy of it. I remember reading a story recently about an American Christian man that went on a uh, mission trip with his church to a remote part of Africa. Uh, to meet with some missionaries that were there, living in this little old village there. Uh, he gets to that remote part of Africa, and he uh, meets the missionary, finds out where he's living. This missionary has like a little 300-square-foot you know, square foot apartment, no furniture or nothing. And so the you know, Christian that was there is like, hey, well, hey, brother, hey, where's your furniture at, man? Where am I sleeping? I ain't about to just sleep on no logs or anything. Wait, hey, where am I sleeping at? And the missionary, oh, he said, oh, f- furniture? 
Oh, man, I don't have any of that. Listen, brother, I'm just passing through here. That'll preach if you let it. Hey, in the same way, listen, those of us in here who know Christ. Hey, this, well, those who do know Christ and those that don't. The reality is, hey, this is our temporary home. Those of us who know Christ, hey, we're, hey, we're just passing through. We're just passing through. Hey, this isn't our eternal place. And so the call for us, man, whenever judgment day comes, is for us to be people, man, that can stand before the Lord and be known as people, man, who were good stewards of the stuff that they had in this life, right? But understood the reality that, man, it was just stuff and held on loosely to it. And said, hey, I'm, li- I'm looking to live a life, man, that impacts eternity. Whatever you give me. Whether you're rich or poor, man, you can live that life. And so the call for us is to clear out the items, right? Thirdly, a repentant life is us choosing to control the tongue, right? He says there, uh, those who do not swear uh, deceitfully, talking about making rash oaths, right? I've been guilty of this personally, as I've said many a times, you know, man, I'm a big, big Dallas Cowboys fan. I've made rash oaths that, hey, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Jackson, I've said it for the last 20 years. Hey, I promise you, Cowboys going to win the Super Bowl. It was very rash because they still hadn't won one in my lifetime. Uh, and so, you know, rash oaths. But all jokes, all joking aside, right? The, you know, the, it, it's this picture here, man, of, of us, uh, you know, uh, really speaking, you know, uh, out of, <laughs> I mean, speaking falsehood, speaking lies, if you will, uh, telling falsehoods. And the reason why that's a big problem is this. Hey, because, man, it comes from the heart. What you saying? Don't just come, come with a lie from pit of thin air. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Jesus actually talks about it in the gospel. Luke 6, he says this. Hey, man, out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. And so that's why it's a big deal, man. We ought to learn how to control the tongue, man. Not just in making rash oaths, but, man, just in general, how we communicate and speak to people. How we treat people, man. Hey, it's it's a picture of, man, what's inside our heart. I deal with that. Controlling the tongue. And then lastly, hey, calling on his name. Verse 6. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Man, verse 5 talks about the blessing of those who live out. Verse 4. But also those who live out. Verse 6. Man, it's the connecting piece there. Man, calling on his name. Man, it's this picture of seeking his face, not just seeking his hand. Man, hey, we're real good at seeking his hand, i.e. saying, hey, God, listen, I, I need this, this, and this. I need today, and I need it quick, too. So go ahead and hurry up. Give it to me. But, man, seeking his face is something totally different. Man, hey, it, it's just wanting to be with him. I've heard it put this way, right? Seeking God's face is kind of like going to your grandparents' house. I've heard that before. I said, Pastor, what is it? how does that even correlate? I'm glad you asked. Last year, for the first time in my life, man, I was able to uh, meet uh, my grandparents. Both sets of grandparents uh, live in Uganda. That's where my parents are from. I was born and raised here. Never been. Went back. Went for the first time uh, back last year. And I remember getting a chance to meet both sets for the first time ever. And, man, you talk about an experience. You know, caught all the feelings. You know, uh, you know I mean, emotional, life-changing trip, all that. But I remember getting a chance to meet, you know, my, my dad's dad, 
you know, Grandpa, 95 years old, still looking fly, still getting around Pastor Greg. I was like, man, hey, that's what I aspire to be whenever I, if I get to 95. Meeting him, but also meeting my mom, Seth. But, but here's what I came to uh, understand, man. Whenever I was there, listen, I, I just wanted to be there, man. Enjoyed their, their company. There wasn't any kind of rush. I wasn't there to, to look to, you know, to, to get something from them, you know. Even if I didn't understand, I, 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 true story, I didn't understand half of what they were saying because I didn't take the time to learn the language, you know. But I just wanted to be there, man. Just want to be there. Didn't have any expectation, wasn't in a hurry. Just want to be there. Listen, hey, that's what seeking God's face is, man. Hey, j- just, just wanting to be with him. No agenda. Not just going to him to check off a, a box on my Christian list of good things to do. Not just going to him out of rope because, man, that's what I was taught to do. Man, I, going to him because, man, I, I just want to be with him. just want to be with him. I, I just want to dwell in the presence of, of my creator, the one that saved me, the one that changed my life. Listen, church, when's the last time that that's been true of your life? When's the last time, man, that you've sought the face of God and just talked to him? Say, Pastor, man, how, you know, what, what's a picture of that? How does that look like? Well, in Exodus thirty-three eleven, it says that, man, Moses, man, he spoke to God and talked to God as if, man, he was talking to a friend face to face. That's the picture, man. Hey, just talking to him, just being with him, listening to him. When's the last time you done that? Man, I encourage us to be folks, man, that call on his name, man, spend time with him. Spend time with him. The reality is, hey, in order to be in the presence of the Lord, man, in order to worship him wholeheartedly, we've got to be folks, man, that walk in this repentant life. Good news is we can. We can. Then thirdly and last to the third perspective. We see here verses seven through ten is this. Hey, the Lord at the end of the day wants to come and invade your world. He wants to come and invade your world. We see after this Selah, man, hey, there's another shift in David's tone. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up. O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord who is mighty in battle. Man, then he said, again, he says, lift up your heads. Man, that the king of glory may come in. Man, the Lord wants to come and invade. He wants, hey, he wants to take over your life. Hostile takeover, man. That's for the best. Because, man, knowing ourselves, man, hey, hey we're going to shipwreck this thing. We don't have any kind of help. Man, so, hey, let, let the king of glory come in. Say, Pastor, man, hey, I'm, I'm hesitant, man, to let somebody else take over my life. Man, hey, I, I know me better than me, you know, better than anybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant. Well, first off, man, the Lord knows you better than you know yourself. But why should we let the Lord, man, come in? Why should we let the Lord take over our life? Well, number one, because he can be trusted. He trusts, man. Hey, this language here, the king of glory, man, the Lord who is strong and mighty. 
man, speaks to the fact that, man, this God is big. He's big. Brother Ethan, man, we used to sing this song when I was a little kid in VBS. You know, I remember getting dragged to VBS as a kid with some friends. I was only there for the cheeses. I'm just keeping it real with you. I just went for the cheeses, especially them spicy ones. If y'all hadn't had those, man, shout out to cheeses. But we used to sing this song, man, at VBS, man, that spoke to this, man, a little nursery rhyme, kid song, man, that spoke to the fact that God can be trusted, man. It went like this. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. Hey, there's nothing my God cannot do for you. Hey, the mountains are his, the valleys are his, and the stars, man, are his handiwork too. Psalm 8, Psalms 8, 1 tells us that. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing that my God cannot do for you. Listen, man, he can be trusted because of that reality. Man, so let him come in. Take over your life. And secondly and lastly, man, hey, why should we let the Lord come and invade? My favorite part, because he has the total victory. Amen. Hey, the Lord mighty in battle. Hey, you know why David could say the Lord was mighty in battle? Because, man, the Lord never lost. If you look at David in his life, man, when he was walking with God, following him, man, he was undefeated. Undefeated in the Lord's name, man. Went until he decided to do his own thing that he ended up getting in a mess. That's sermon for another day. But, man, he was undefeated, man. And the Lord to this day is still undefeated. Still undefeated, man. And he won the greatest victory, didn't he, church? When Jesus rose up from the grave on that third day, Bible says, man, he defeated death, hell, and the power of the grave. First Corinthians 15 says. And so, man, those of us who are in Christ, man, hey, we have the victory. He has the total victory. And so it's interesting. David says here, hey, lift up your heads. Man, speaks to this picture of, man, out of joyous anticipation and encouragement. Hey, lifting up your head, man. Be encouraged. That's what it's saying. Be encouraged. And because the Lord has the total victory, man. Be encouraged. That's why we ought to let him into our lives, man. Because he's victorious. Victorious. I don't know about you, man. I've, I've lost a lot. I've talked about before, my teams have lost a lot. Teams that I root for, man. Losers. But hey, I'm on a team with someone who's never lost. That's the Lord, man. He's got the total victory. Got the total victory. A couple of takeaway thoughts, and then I'm done this morning, man. Wait, what, what does this mean for me in the seat? Mean for us in the room today, man? What's our response? And four quick takeaways. Number one, hey, first response is, man, you ought to choose to let God have your whole life. Let him have your whole life, man. Hey, give it to him, man. Let him take your life, man, and and let it be consecrated unto thee. Let him have your life. Secondly, hey, we ought to choose to be people that live the repentant life. We ought to be folks that walk, man, hey, in this posture of humility, Knowing that, man, hey, it's by grace that we've been saved and it's by grace, man, that we're being kept. It's by grace, man, that we're able to approach the throne of grace with confidence. And so, man, whenever we stumble, man, we ought to not have this haughty attitude like, man, hey, I know, hey, I know a ton of Bible. I've been to Awana before. Hey, I've, I've, hey, I've done the church thing a while. 
and bristle up. But instead, man, we ought to be folks that have a humble and contrite heart. Say, Lord, hey, I need you. Choose to repent knowing that he's waiting with arms open wide. Live the repentant life. Thirdly, man, we ought to learn to seek his face. Ought to learn to seek his face, man. Learn to just, hey, be with him. In the midst of, man, the busyness of this world, instant, man, gratification, instant answers, wanting stuff instantly. Man, Pastor Greg, I remember the other day, man, I was in Kroger. I was trying to pull up my Spotify, you know, on my phone, man. It was bugging out, and I about had a conniption fit, man. I wanted to throw some stuff because it wasn't, it wasn't working for me right then and there, man. Instant. One stuff right away. Hey, in the midst of all that, man, we ought to learn to be folks that pause and learn to just, man, hey, be with Jesus, man. Be in his presence. No agenda, no nothing. Just learn to be with him. And then fourthly and lastly, hey, man, we ought to be encouraged. Learn to lift up your head, man. Lift up your head. Maybe you're in here and you're thinking, man, it's January 15th and 2023, man, has been a drag already. It's already been tough. I'm already tired. I already got a lot rolling. Hey, listen, can I encourage you? Hey, you're in Christ. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Hey, because he's got the total victory. Like I've said before, man, and and I wish I was the author of it, man. I heard it from another preacher. Hey, the best days are always in front of us in Christ. Always in front of us. So, man, even even if, man, times are tough, man, have the perspective, man, that the Lord, he has the total victory. And choose to lift up your head. Be encouraged. Lift up your head.